Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Controversial subjects with the facts can be tense. But we are ASAP Science here to make things Today we are talking about death, drugs, and disease with Jeremy Saunders from the Sick Boy Podcast. This is a really fascinating conversation all about cystic fibrosis, how our relationships are with death, and things that you can do to maybe cope with the one thing that's going to be happening to all of us. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like something is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from reaching your goals? For example, I'm addicted to my phone. I'm always on my freaking phone. And through therapy, I started to learn that it's a self-soothing exercise. And if I can just think of it as that, I can start to understand why I'm doing it and figure out ways to curve my phone addiction. Here at Side Note, you know we're obsessed with therapy, so we are obsessed with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your personal needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. The counseling is done securely online and is available worldwide with a broad range of expertise available. Not only can you schedule weekly phone or video sessions, you know, you don't have to sit in the waiting room, you don't have to travel, commute, things like that. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor and get timely and thoughtful responses. BetterHelp lets you change counselors at any time, which is really important. Sometimes you have to really figure out who your therapeutic match is going to be. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling with financial aid available. Just head to BetterHelp.com slash SideNote to get 10% off your first month and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash SideNote for 10% off your first month. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Hi, Greg. I'm doing so good. I'm doing. Actually, I got a question for you. I just, I, I just. You're a podcaster. Like, look at that, such a roo. <laughs> Six boy podcast. I know <laughs> you, you might have to. You might have to cut me off from that. But but I do have a question. I just listened to your recent episode, the most recent episode, which I'm sure was recorded weeks ago. But um, it was okay. about drinking breast milk, and oh and, yeah, and trying to get you know gains by drinking breast milk. And um, at the top of the episode, um, I believe was it your birthday that you had just had? Yeah. So okay, happy yes. birthday. I want to first off say oh. that. Secondly, Gracias. I want to say I love breast milk. I actually dr- I drank breast milk on Sick Boy uh, back in the day. Love it. So nutty. So beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous oat milk with flavors that you just can't get from an That's oat. it. <laughs> but I also really love Negronis. And so this oh, is, wow. this. I'm popping this for you um, okay. as a, bel- a belated happy birthday. Oh my God. Thank you. I also love Negronis. I know. You said it in the episode and you it. talked about yeah. it and it made me thirsty for one. So... It's a very easy drink. It's like, you know, equal parts. I know you just poured it out of a bottle. I'm sure that's a gorgeous brand. But <laughs> my favorite part about it is, is it makes people astonished, but it's like, you know, the math of it all is so, so easy. So easy. Such an easy cocktail to whip up. Yeah, exactly. Have you heard the like TikTok trend like Negroni Spagliato <laughs> with 
<laughs> have you heard of that? <laughs> no, I haven't. It's just like, it's one of those weird TikTok things. It's someone from House of Dragon, which I don't watch, but it's like, honestly, sometimes with TikTok, I'm like, I'm too old for this, but you write things on the screen, but it's one of them saying, my favorite drink's a Negroni, Spigliato. <laughs> and it's, it's a Negroni, and I made it this summer. It's really good. But you top it up off with champagne, ah, and it's delicious. Okay. A little bit of bubbly, yeah. I like it. Eat a little bit of bubbly, so it makes it a little less alcoholic in some ways by making it more. Sure, alcoholic. right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay, so now I am going to try and be the host of a podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm and done. I would love for you to just explain to the audience, like, about your podcast and also about cystic fibrosis and just the yeah, like it's so fascinating what you've done with your life. So just like a little synopsis, Syn- synopsis of your life, yeah, please. Uh, Thanks. Yes. Easy, easy. <laughs> and then we'll talk about death. Um, well, uh, yeah. So I, I'm the co-producer and co-host of Sick Boy Podcast. Um, and it's, uh, <clears throat> it's been running for about seven years now. It's myself and my two best friends, Brian Stever and Taylor McGilvery. And um, I mean, really, the whole thing started kind of as a, as a joke between a few friends. So I live with cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease. So I was born with it. I've had it my entire life. It's all I've ever known. And we had this idea to sit down and record a conversation between the three of us where two healthy people, I say that in quotations, um, Taylor, Taylor and Brian, um, have, have an opportunity, you know, carte blanche to, to ask all the questions they'd ever want to ask a sick person, which was me. And the first recording we ever did was just the three of us. And it was a really eye-opening experience um, for all three of us when we went back and we listened to the conversation that we had recorded. Because um, it gave my two best friends an opportunity to learn a lot about me that they hadn't even known before. Um, So it was really like educational for them. For myself, it was really... um, it was really uplifting and there was something, there was something sort of uh, inspiring about it to be able to like, just like openly speak about all the hardships that I've been through with my two best friends. Um, it was, it was something that like really meant a lot to me. But then on top of that, it was fucking, Oh, can I swear? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. We talk about way worse. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I, uh, it was, it was fucking hilarious. We, we had such a good time. Like it was so funny to, to kind of dive into some of the hardships that I've been through, but also like finding the humor that exists within that human experience. And so that was how Sick Boy birthed. Um, and we... <laughs> Breast milk, <laughs> birth, let's go. And so, uh, so after, we, you know, after we peeled away the placenta and, and uh, washed the baby <laughs> off, we decided, well, okay, maybe this was a fluke. Um, you know, we are best friends after all. Of course, we're going to like enjoy each other's company. And of course, we're going to find each other funny. So could we recreate this? again with somebody else. And so um, we put our heads together and we thought of the sickest person that we knew at the time, <laughs> which, <laughs> which happened to be my, my good friend, Matthew Amiot. And uh, Matthew was dealing with uh, brain cancer. He had just had a brain tumor removed um, and about a month prior to, to me asking him. And I called Matt and I said, hey, listen, do you want to come into a recording studio and talk about brain cancer but try to find the levity and the humor that existed within Mm. that experience. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So he came in, we had this conversation and that conversation set the bar. Like that conversation was even more insightful. It was more hilarious than the first. And we thought, okay, well let's, let's keep trying to do this. And that was seven years ago. Fast forward to today. You have so many episodes. So many like, over 500. I, th- I think we literally just put our uh, maybe our 600th episode out a couple of oh, weeks ago. Oh my yeah, God. It's, crazy. it's amazing. Yeah. So could you just, for our audience and even me, explain what cystic fibrosis is? Mm-hmm. Because I think that, I know you've probably had to explain this to so many people, but add me to the list because I, I am curious. I don't yeah. mind whatsoever. Uh, I talk about okay. it too much. Um, so uh, let me preface this with one thing. I am a theater school dropout. Okay, so so don't take if, oh. if, 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 you know. I, I know a lot of like science, uh, sciencey smart folks probably listen to this. Um, please take what I say with a grain of salt because I'm just a patient. Uh, I don't know jack shit about squat. So, um, but what I've what I've gathered over the 34 years of my life <laughs> is that cystic fibrosis is a genetic disease. Um, it in particular it affects one particular gene in the body called the CFTR gene. And the CFTR gene, its role 
which I think we all have in our bodies. Its role is to um, is to uh, make sure that chloride or salt is able to like move smoothly through the cells of the body. Okay. Um, but the CFTR gene in my body has this little folded protein where it's just like kind of off kilter. And because of that, my body doesn't have that ability to clear out or move chloride through the cells of my body. Wow. Now, because okay. that chloride isn't able to move freely, that, that causes a, a massive buildup of mucus all throughout my body. So through my, my organs, through, through the every, every ounce of my body is just kind of covered in this thick, sticky, heavy mucus. So huh. what that does is causes a buttload of problems for my body physiologically in many different areas. So um, cystic fibrosis typically is viewed as like a, a, a lung disease, but it also heavily affects a lot of people's uh, digestive system as well. So for myself, oh, okay. I have what's called the Delta F5... Oh, you know what? I'm, Sounds like a fraternity. I know. I, there's a whole frat party in my fucking body and they're going <laughs> off every day. So, so essentially what's happening in my body is uh, my pancreas. Let's take my pancreas, for example, right? So my pancreas, because of this buildup of mucus, my pancreas cannot produce the digestive enzymes that your pancreas, I'm assuming, can produce. Hmm. So when you eat, you can eat freely and you don't have to think about it and you, you, your body breaks down the food and you poop it out and, you know, Bob's your uncle. For me, I eat the food, but those those enzymes that my pancreas creates, they don't they don't produce. So I have to take oral enzymes every single time I eat. Um, uh, malabsorption is like a really big issue with people with cystic fibrosis. So, so you're literally taking the enzymes physically every. Are you do you only do it when you eat, or is it sort of like a on the hour every? Only hour when you eat, but on wow. top of that, so I take about forty pills a day. Um, and, and, Whoa. and there's some multiple other pills outside of just the enzymes that I take. Um, and so because of this issue with the pancreas, malabsorption is a big issue. So like gaining yeah. weight for a lot of people with CF is like next to impossible. It's all about like maintaining wow. weight. Um, hmm. up until November of last year, the most I've ever weighed in my life is, uh, 140 and that's on like the, the higher side of things. Wow, skinny legend. Yes, and, and with a wicked set of abs uh, due to the coughing. So I like I can't complain wow. too hard. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, losing weight is is kind of a big fear because when you start to yeah. lose weight, um, that's that's when things can really start to go south. I totally thought it was just a lung thing. No, just from like you know not knowing very much about it. But that's probably because it's the most visceral because you cough. Oh, Greg, a lot. I'm gonna blow your mind. You ready for this? Oh, no. So the I'll get to the lungs after that. I mean that that's. Every Everybody knows that part. I had no idea. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I have clubbed fingernails, which means that my fingernails are like these, they kind of like balloon up. Uh, got, I must say they're painted right now. They look gorgeous. And I'm like, do you have something even on the middle one, like a Takao? Whoa, Cardi B's in the house. <laughs> Those are ma those are manicures. Yeah, I just got them done right. today. They're my Halloween nails. They're uh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna be like, those look amazing, <laughs> but they're clubbed. Yeah, so like they're kind of like these weird frying pan fingy tips. Um, they're sort huh. of rounded and, and clubbed at the tips, and that's because my body has a harder time getting oxygen to the tips of my fingers to the extremities. That's right. Wow. Okay. Related to the same. So it's all though related to this <laughs> specific gene. That's right. And then the proteins associated with it that have these differing yeah. sort of outcomes in your yeah. body. Another weird thing is that I think it's 98 or 97% of folks with cystic fibrosis are born uh, sterile. So for, um, oh, for wow. people with uteruses, it is because their cervix is clogged with that mucus. So it's like they were born with a, a free IUD installation. Wow. For males or people with penises, um, it's because uh, for myself, I was born without a vas deferens. So I actually don't have oh. the highway that connects my sperm yeah. to my urethra. So I, the vas is that a separate thing or does that have anything to do with the mucus? I, uh, the, so so it's, it's separate from the mucus. It, it actually, it doesn't, the vas deferens doesn't even form in utero. Um, so oh, it's wow. kind of like I was born with a free vasectomy. Um, like the, wow. the, the highway is snipped. There's no, but could you technically, if you wanted to have a kid, take your sperm and do IVF? Yes. So I think they can like take oh, a needle. Wow. I'm, I, I mean, I'm guessing it's a needle and then they 
You have no interest they in kids. Poke it into my balls and they <laughs> suck out the sperm. It, the sperm's in there. It's right? Just, it's just like, in theory. Yeah, it's just swimming in there, like, probably hot as hell. I don't know. It's like, it's just <laughs> been locked in there, like, let us out. Blue balls for <laughs> life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I could have kids if I want to. Um, it would just be a costly procedure. Probably IVF, I think, is what the. Uh, is, is what yeah, okay. Because, no, that's so interesting. Like, the vast deference aspect of it doesn't mean, like, yeah, you, you're not not producing yeah, sperm. Yeah. Do you want another weird part that many people don't know? I honestly do. Like, and I feel like our audience. <laughs> This is like, I love, I'm loving this. I love this one. Um, uh, people with cystic fibrosis uh, typically produce two to five times more salt in their sweat than a normal human. Um, so again, because of the, like the salt regulation that's right, thing. That's right. So we, we taste extraordinarily salty. Oh my God. And actually this is, this is how my, my father um, came to the, the sort of like, prior to like Googling symptoms, this is how my father kind of came to the, the, the notion that I probably have CF. So he heard about this when I was a baby. Um, and so he took me home and he put me in the bath, cleaned me off, got me super, super huh. clean, and then took me out, dried me off, turned me around and, and licked the back of my neck. And I tasted like what he says, like a salt lick. Um, oh and God. that's when he knew that something was, was awry. But had he, had he had any previous like thoughts about it or he had just heard about it and it was coincidental so they knew there was some like when i was born um you know i was having a lot of issues with like feeding and a lot of like you know stomach issues they knew something was up but they weren't quite sure now this was back in 1988 um 34 years old oh me oh same age age. what up uh let's go uh and uh this was before the time where now today, all newborns are, are screened for CF. Um, it's, oh, it's just like okay. a regular process. But this was before then. And so, you know, my, my folks knew something was up. But my dad heard this thing about the salt. And, and when he did, he told my mom. My mom's a nurse. And my mom, I think, was in denial. And she was like, no, there's no way. Hmm. But sure enough, there was. It was exactly wow. that. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I watched your TED Talk. It was amazing. Cool. Um, it's like super like you're so like and I obviously people can obviously tell now like you do speak with such levity but it was so intense it was about death and death is something we'd like talk a lot about on this podcast but the way you talk about it is so much more fascinating to me so I have so many questions around that and I'm just like curious like it feels like listening to your podcast a lot of it is talking about death just in your own life do you talk about death all the time or is it more of your like on-screen persona all thing? the fucking time <laughs> i talk about it all the, i love it i mean like i'm i'm a i'm fascinated by death um yeah i'm fascinated by death in every aspect of it you know like i want to know i want to know what people what people think how people feel about it i want to know you know, what people's, if people think about death, like what their plans are, you know, what do you want to do when you're gone? I want to like, I, it's probably so fucking annoying to hang out with me at like dinner parties because like, okay. I'm constantly I love this though. This is kind of all I want to talk about too, <laughs> but it is so funny. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, it is like, it, it feels taboo, yeah. but then it's also like the most important and most, um, like human, like level playing field of all things. The tooth, like it's the best. It's the best thing. To talk it's it's about. the best. It's but the it's best like, thing. To, it's like sex, right? It's like we yeah. all have this. We all have this. I mean, I shouldn't say all. I mean, like you know, death actually is the one thing. Is I, I think literally the singular thing that every single human shares in common. Sex. Most of us also share yeah, this thing true. in common, where like we are fascinated by it. We we are curious about it. Um, but it does seem a little more removed. Like it seems more, um, it's not the same for everyone in the same way. No, that's right. And do you know what yeah. I mean? Like physiologically, like there is to me, like I know what you mean by like the human experience of sex and it controls so many things, yeah. but I feel like death is like the ultimate. Yes. Thing. Because, and especially us over here in the West, like we are, we are, we are oh extraordinarily yeah. death phobic. Yeah, we don't. We yeah, don't. It's, we don't want to go there. We don't even want to touch yeah. it. Like it, it's like no, out of sight, out of mind. We want to ignore the fact that like we're all gonna die. Like n- no one's yeah. living beyond a certain point. We're all gonna die. Every single person you know, every single person you love, including yourself, you're all going to die. 
There was something in your TED talk that I don't know you the way you described it. You're like everyone's gonna die. Then I don't have kids, but you were like even your son's gonna yeah. like you were talking to an audience like even your kids gonna yeah. die. And I was like that is the way you said it so plainly was a cool one for me too because I always think about myself and my parents because that's where I'm at in my yeah. life. But I was like oh yeah it's like your kid like this person that you're putting all your energy into I assume when you have kids is going to die is like another way of just be, it, it just like really hammered home like. The thing you're trying to say, which is that this is going to happen for everyone. everyone. And, and the point of your TED talk was about like living like your life to the fullest and how if we if you don't think about death, you're not going to be like that. So to lead more into like what I want to talk about is like, <laughs> it's like, okay, like when you talk to people about death, I find for me, it's like some people, their eyes almost glaze over and it's like they're not even processing what you're saying. Mm. Like it's almost like... I wonder if you have this experience to talk to so many people where it's like they almost don't even seem like they're scared of it because they won't even like talk about it and they just like move on to something else. Do you know what I'm describing? Yes, a hundred percent. And I'm like, what is your theory about those people? Because sometimes I get so jealous. I'm like, you don't think about it? Like you don't even care. Like jealous is a weird word, but I'm like, what do you think about people like that who just can kind of be like, whatever. Like I, I try to talk about death all the time and some people just aren't even having it, but not even in a like way where they give you anything it fascinates i mean me. again I, I think it i think it's tied to their fear of it right it's like it's it's the same as um it's the same as talk, trying to talk to someone about grief you know people just try to shy away from it they want they don't want to hmm. really face it but the one thing that i have found is like oftentimes when this does come up in conversation say at like a dinner party or something um m one of the reasons it comes up is because we get on the topic of um, you know, so, someone might not, who doesn't know me says, say, ask me about my CF. And one of the things that was a big part of living with cystic fibrosis for me for my entire life was that I'm, you're going to die. You're going to die from CF. You know, when I, when I was, um, when I was 10, I, uh, I didn't know CF was fatal. And actually I talk about this in the Ted talk, but I found this pamphlet yeah. um, and, and the way I found out that CF was a fatal disease, I read it in a pamphlet. The pamphlet was titled All About Cystic Fibrosis. It was intended for like a school teacher to give them an idea of like, mm. okay, this is what it's going to mean to have a kid in your class with CF. And in the pamphlet, there was a sentence that said cystic fibrosis is a fatal genetic disease. Now I'm like, at this point in my life, like I'm addicted to Mortal Kombat. I literally have a Mortal Kombat like oh, arcade I guess machine I can here. see that in the corner. Yeah. yeah. So, so I love Mortal Kombat. I knew what Fatal was, but the the next wait, what does that have to do? I don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. How does that Mortal really? Kombat is two warriors going head to head fighting each other, and oh, okay. and then I can picture, and then I can right picture. before if, you know if you're winning and you're about to kill your your combatant, um, it 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 the game tells you to finish him. And then when you finish him, oh, it's, finish, yeah, finish him. him. And then it's like yeah, fatality. Okay. And you go, oh, yeah, fatality. Oh, Duh, my death, God. Yeah. Wow. So I knew. Because you're how old? You're I'm 10? 10. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like the, fat huh. I'm the fatality god. You know, I, wow. I know all about it. <laughs> but it was the next sentence that like really hit me. And that sentence was um, the average life expectancy for someone living with cystic fibrosis is 30 years of age. Wow. And like that moment, I'll never forget it. Like it was just, you know. I was 10. So I, like, you know, the way my, my brain processed that information was like, oh, wait, what? Like everything uh, I've yeah. done up to this point in my life, I can only do again two more times. What wow. the fuck? Like, yeah. why didn't anybody tell me this? What, like what? Oh my God. And it's, and it's such a, like, that is so the time where you first, like, you know, when you first start comprehending death, yeah. like it kind of feels like it's around then those really shocking, memorable moments. Yeah. But now on top of that, you have this other information. It's just like, yeah yeah it's like you know like my our dog had just died recently at that time you know so it was like i knew i knew what like i knew the the uh the like i i knew what death i knew the 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 what's the word i'm looking for like the the permanence of death like yeah it, this was yeah. permanent it's like you're game over for real you know no extra lives this is it yeah and uh it really i mean at that time it really fucked me up it wasn't for another 10 years or so that I, that I sort of was able to flip the script and go, Oh no, this is like, this is kind of sick. <laughs> you know, like what, yeah. a, you know, if you had a genie and, and you know, you rub that, 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 um, vase or whatever, and the genie pops out. I mean, I think, I think one of your wishes being, I want to know the exact time and date that I'm going to die. I think that's a sick wish, I, I, you hmm. know, uh, and, and, and to, to be, to have that, that expiry date, gives you and it gives you information to know 
okay, this is how much time I have left. I better not squander this time. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I want to go back to what you were talking about at the dinner table. You were saying that like, maybe what you were trying to say is that sometimes people ask you about this and you have to get, bring up this information, which obviously I guess then leads into like talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But the second thing, which is like for people who might not have seen your Ted talk is that the reason that you're saying that's a sick thing is because you're able to then essentially like live your life to the fullest, which seriously is something that like I do personally, like a lot of my friends and family are like, you always do so much. And I honestly do think like through therapy in the back of my head, I'm just like constantly thinking about death. Like all the time, I'm just like, there's not that much time. Like you just have to do things. And my only sort of question about the other side of that is that it's so different between you and I, I'm not trying to compare it, but sometimes I really have a hard time like slowing down. Like I don't like, I'm very go, go, go because I think in the back of the head, I'm, I'm always thinking about that. And I've, I I kind of like, I've, I don't, I honestly don't think that much has been bad in my life because of that. But sometimes I wonder, you know, like, is there an advantage to slowing down? I, I personally, like, I genuinely don't necessarily think that's true, but I do look at some people who are really calm and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not that because I, I, I honestly, like, I totally agree yeah, with yeah. your life philosophy. I live by it. I'm like, I travel all the time. Like new experiences are like all I care yeah. about. But sometimes it makes me like a little manic and crazy, but I don't even know that. I'm just putting those words in my own life because sometimes other people tell yeah, me that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but have you ever felt that at all? Like people are like... Totally. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, so again, you know, when I'm 10 and I find this out, you know, I... Right up until the point I was like 25, I was fully convinced, convinced 30 was the date. You know, it was like, or, or, wow. or, you know, like wow. maybe, maybe wow. a year later, you know, 31, 32. Yeah. Okay, sure. Whatever. 30, give or take. And so every single thing that I have done or had done in my life up to that point was, was done with this, this cloud looming over me of like, you have five years left. You have four years left. You have three years oh, left. Oh my Everything. God. Yeah. Now, in retrospect, looking back at that, it was amazing. I mean, it, like it, 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 it made me, it made me live my life in ways that I most certainly would not have if I wasn't like, you know, living my life with this information right in front of me. Um, totally. And, and it was, yeah. it was like constant, like new experiences all the time. Like no, like no time to, to sit back and, and like, you know, give a flying shit about stuff that really 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 doesn't matter you know it's like yeah the one thing that i that i constantly kind of throw back to on this the example which i think is like really relatable is um is like the silly fights that you get into with your loved one with your partner right it's like yeah i I mean we all go through it where it's like all of a sudden oh my god all all of a sudden you're having (laughs) a fight because like you didn't um you didn't remember to put the leftovers in the fridge and, and then there, a fight breaks out about <laughs> that. But then that like leads to f- like, you know, arguing about s- some trauma that was like unearthed that happened 10 years <laughs> ago. And then like, and, yeah, and then, yeah, and then yeah. you're in like this loop and you're, and you're fighting <laughs> yeah, about the same thing anger, over and over again. Frustration, and then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, wait, whoa, what? Like we're going to fucking die. What are we talking about? Here? <laughs> this is so stupid. Like, can we just, can we just get past this? Because like, this really is a huge waste of time and energy time. and we don't have yeah. time and energy to waste. Like we need to really make the most of this. Those are the, those are the examples where it really was awesome. Yeah. But <laughs> there was, there was, there's one singular thing that I found living my life from, from that, that, you know, that, um, that notion of like the the expiry date is is nigh, that that I I sort of I don't re- not that I regret, but I sort of acknowledge was kind of tough, which was um, you know I thought I was going to be dead at thirty, so like I wasn't planning on retirement, you know, like money was like if I have money, I spend the money because uh, I don't need to okay. save money. That's so stupid. What what am I saving for? I'm going to be dead at 30. I don't need to save money. Now, I... Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That feels different, though. (laughs) In some ways, because I'm thinking about me saving money, and I'm like, but for sure, if I was told 30, like... 
You know like, what I mean? I, like I went blown. Been blown like, it. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Like I, I'm like I'm like that's yeah. If that's the only thing, that is the only thing. It's, it is kind of funny though to think of you about but, you like, continuing to live and being like. Fuck. I know. So here, so here's the funny thing about that is that and and you know I don't know if you like I I don't want to I don't want to veer this too far off in the wrong direction, but um, I I do think this is this is uh, sort of important to note. Um, in November of 2021. Uh, there was a new medication that became available to Canadians living with cystic fibrosis. It uh, it got approved in Canada in 2021. I got it in my hands, I think, like the first week of December, and it's called Trikafta. And Trikafta is not a cure, but it's pretty goddamn close. Like, it is the next best thing. Wow. And what... Oh, my God. What Trikafta does is that it doesn't treat the symptoms of the disease, it treats at the source. So it is going into my body and it's finding that CFTR gene and it's taking that, that malformed protein and it's folding it back into its correct position. Wow. So so curious about that one. So it's, it's, I, it's so hard to explain to you how much of a difference it's made in my life. Wow. Be publicly funded or are you paying? Public, publicly. Right, I'm going right into publicly funded. Yeah. So, so it's a $300,000 a year drug, which, Living in Halifax, Nova Scotia, I am very happy to say that it is fully covered here for me right oh, now. Oh my God, I have shivers. And <laughs> publicly funded healthcare system. That's yeah, <laughs> and it. Um, so you know, to kind of put this into perspective, um, it, prior to getting this drug, I was 138 pounds. My lung function was the lowest it had ever been. It was in the it was in the 50s. Um, I, I was, I was, and, and declining, you know, I was probably, I was maybe the worst I had been up to this point, uh, every single day up to this point, every single day, a constant, persistent, never ending cough, which, which, you know, in COVID mm. days, Jesus Christ, you don't want to be that oh fucking dude <laughs> coughing all the time. Um, two days after taking the drug cough went away completely. Two months after taking the drug lung function went from, you know, low fifties to 80%. Oh my Two God! Two months this after taking the... the drug, went from 140 pounds to 160 pounds, more than I've ever weighed in my entire life. And now you're like, I'm broke. And, I'm and, <laughs> yes, that is it. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna die. Like I, I might, I wow. might live till I'm 80. Now maybe, like that. Oh my God, science! Let's go. It's amazing. It's so exciting. It's amazing. I had no idea. Like I love how you're like, take this off course. I'm like you're not taking this off course. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. And now I'm like, I'm gonna be googling this drug. Yeah, all night. That's so exciting. It's, it's really wild. Um, and uh, and yeah. So so, so now the, my so bank the issue account, in your body like, is a protein, correct? Yeah. So it's so even it's, though it's a gene, it's a protein that probably has to do with the unfolding or the, like that's presence of a gene I, again i went to i went to ryerson theater school and then i dropped out before i graduated so i don't <laughs> i don't really know but yes i think that is uh from what i yeah. got that's it yeah no i'm just thinking about like the mechanism of them research so it's so like now i'm just gonna do a little like science stuff but what's so cool uh, that they figured out to to do in regards to these like mainly a lot of these medications is they have these like crazy machines where they shoot light at tiny proteins. And then based on how the, pro the light scatters, they can literally see the shape of the protein. Yeah. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's called Pymol. So they have all these like computer softwares where they're like able to build proteins and slowly with like, as computer power gets stronger, they can start to see proteins, how they fold all this stuff. That's literally like how diseases happen and how they make medication. So I'm like only under the assumption that that, type of technology that I think is honestly one of the coolest yeah. parts of biochemistry and science is probably what is getting something like this drug to a place where it can actually work. It's just so cool to like, the world is so depressing, but like science can sometimes, and even science can be really depressing, but it's like this type of science and stuff is like so cool to hear about, to be like somewhere humans and computers together figured out the tech to understand a drug that is going to help the protein in your body yeah. fold properly. Like that's so. Do you want to hear something super wild cool. about that? Yes. <laughs> the so the person that figured this out, uh, and this was figured out, I believe in 2010 or 2011. Like just the mechanism wow. of it uh, yeah. was a 17 year old from Ontario do it during no. a science fair project where he obviously won, um, and he <laughs> he he was just like. He was just this kid who had a, a fascination with biology. Um, he got uh, access to a supercomputer under the 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 um, the sort of uh, 
like a, as with sh- being chaperoned by a, a, a grad student. And he used this program, this computer program to basically find the a combination of two medications that could essentially do this thing. And I found this out in 2010. What? And I went, wow, that's kind of crazy. Um, I wonder if that will ever pan out to be anything. Oh my God. Fast forward to 2021. And that exact mechanism is what is being used in Trikafta to do what oh it does. Oh my God. Yeah. That person, where's your Disney movie? I like, know. Like, and that I is know. like, uh, hello, I, I looked him up. Hollywood. I looked him up. We were actually talking about him on the podcast the other day. And I looked him up and I was like, well, I wonder what he's up to now. He must like own Vertex or something. Um, yeah. he, he, <laughs> he bought a, uh, he bought and became the CEO of a finance company. So I think he's, uh, he, 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 he's oh. all sorts of, he's all sorts of smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But now I'm like, oh, oh okay. Damn. I'm changing the ending of that Disney <laughs> yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, finance company. Yeah, I mean, Hopefully they're he, he, was, he was, he was the Disney character that was good, but then, then, uh, you know, went yeah. down the wrong path and became the Disney villain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe now that's not a Disney movie. It's actually like a novel with like a dark ending <laughs> yeah, that's, about that's, capitalism that's, or something. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So um, this is just like another random question. So you, well, now I don't know because of this drug, but I know that you mentioned that you liked marijuana, but smoking marijuana when you were rebelling with CF, yeah, not a good bad. idea because your lungs. No. Um, yeah. Do you, can you eat it? Oh. Or does it? Fuck yeah. And, it, and you know, it's, okay. it's funny. It's like, I, <laughs> as a marijuana lover, I mean, I heard that I was like, oh God, I need to find out. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> like I, I actually, I, I really, um, so um, uh, drugs are are actually a huge part of my life um and i don't mean oh i don't God. mean that by like by pharmaceutical drugs i mean pharmaceutical <laughs> yeah. drugs yes but um psychedelics are actually like yeah ego death let's go yeah yeah <laughs> okay. like actually like psychedelics yeah. have been one of the major tools for me that that allowed me to shift my perspective on what it means to die um oh my god totally and uh THC, I actually never really loved THC that much. Um, it just made me too paranoid. But my, uh, yeah. I've been I've been dating uh, this really lovely young woman who um, I she kind of like re sparked my love for THC. So like edibles mm. are, I just I love them. They're great. It's I just wasn't because I know that they can like they dry out certain like parts of your body, including your eyes and like mouth right. and stuff. So I was like, I wonder if it's just like a an a no for you because of CF, but now it sounds like, okay, it's obviously okay. Like, and it's better to not smoke it. Obviously. Yeah. The smoking part. I, I mean, I did that a lot in high school cause I was like, fuck you, mom and dad. Um, and then, yeah, I heard you talking about that. Yeah, and, then, and then my <laughs> lungs like, were like, fuck you, Jeremy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it caught up to me quick. So I had to stop that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, um, I think there's a, for anybody out there who's like a little bit uh, unsure about, you know, uh, quote unquote drugs, uh, I think there's a really important yeah. place for them in society, speci- well, specifically yeah. psychedelics. Yeah, like mushrooms are so interesting and there's such a, um, or psilocybin, mm-hmm. there's such a f- like fascinating resurgence in the science community like it's really hard to read like nature magazine every week without like a new yeah. it's actually died down a little bit but throughout COVID, it was Big like time. that's where me and my friend we just like all of COVID, would just like go to high park and eat mushrooms because yeah. it was like i honestly was like um scientists are like screaming at me to do this <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's so it's so interesting like in order to really deal with depression but a lot of it is about um terminal illness yes. uh preparation of death stuff like in hospitals it's it's so linked to everything that you yeah. talk about. Like it's it's kind. Of, I know a lot of people talk about psilocybin now. It kind of can become, um, I don't know, mixed up in a lot of like different aspects of yeah. life. But I think one thing that really shines through in the science is that when people are do have a terminal illness, it can be really helpful with coping with death anxiety, which is like so fascinating. And I really do feel like every time I've done it, like I've had specific instances where I'm just like, it makes me so at least in those moments okay with yeah. death which is such an interesting practice for people to go through yeah. because i genuinely think that everyone does think about this and i and i, I guess like getting like i still just wanted to talk to you about this because you talk about it so much and you get to talk to so many people about death and i'm just curious if you have insight into like people like do you like almost group people into how they react to these conversations like and almost get to sort of understand how people think about death or do you really feel like everyone just has their own relationship to it? I know that's like a big question, but like if you were to like socially study people, yeah. do you think there's groups? 
I kind of no. You know what? I really do think that everyone has their own unique take on it, and and the those unique takes are based on their own previous previous experience with death. So whether that be someone who had a near death experience, or someone who hmm. who went through something very traumatic, where they you know they had to grieve the loss of their newborn child, or the loss of their you know their husband or wife, or um, the loss of a, 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 you know, a mother or father, um, or, you know, you have those, those folks who like somehow kind of like dodged death in, in those ways mm-hmm. where they haven't really yet had the experience where, um, they had to really face what, what true like heart wrenching grief is. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we all, and then, and then on top of that, on top of that, you have the religious side of things, or like the belief, or the or the spiritual side of things, where mm, oh my God. you know, like I, love how I didn't even think about that. It's like yeah, yeah you know, you, like <laughs> you, you have folks that that believe in an afterlife, that believe in you know maybe yeah. a heaven or a hell, or you have folks that believe that are fully atheist and believe that like when it's over, it's over, and the lights shut out, and that's it. Or you have the people like myself that like have had some sort of psychedelic experience where they believe, okay, you know, I. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. I don't. I don't believe in God. Um, but I have had an experience where my intention was to experience death in a very, very intense psychedelic experience. Um, in particular, it was it was five meo DMT, which is you know according to psychonauts, it's like the strongest hallucinogen known to man. And after that experience, I was you know, prior to that experience, I was the person who was like, the lights go out and that's it. Fully staunch atheist. Mm. Um, after that experience, I was like, oh, you know what? No, I think I fully wholeheartedly believe that there is something after death. And it's, mm. it's, it's akin to this notion of like heaven and God, but it's, I, I, I think the, that, that narrative, um, just got twisted and it's not quite as, as, black and white is that yeah it's not the philadelphia cloud no maybe. no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is so funny because i was like always think about heaven i think of a cheap cream <laughs> che- like a craft cream cheese yeah company. there's no cream cheese in heaven <laughs> um yeah so like i i think that really to come back to your question i think every single person has their own unique take it's on it because it's it's the you know it's it's the one thing that none of us actually really know fucking anything about so yeah. like we we as humans, we we try to make meaning out of everything, um, and so we try to make meaning of death in the ways that we, the tools that we have at our disposal, and those tools are based on the experiences that we've had in the past, whether those be conversations, tangible experiences, or you know, um, beliefs that we have that have been like, you know, that we've been inundated with, depending on our our upbringing or our you know our environment. Yeah. That's fascinating because I feel like you're a good person to ask because I think sometimes I'm like on a quest for someone who like when I talk about death, they're like exactly what I think. Like it's like it's like I'm like looking for that personal connection and it always I think I'm like sometimes stings a bit when like everyone you're closest to has a different opinion on it. That's why I wanted to ask you because it was like and your answer is like no, everyone has a different one and that's kind (laughs) of like interesting to hear because I think I am looking for someone who just feels the exact same way I do for comfort but it's like that's never necessarily going to happen, and that's also why death is so fascinating and is the number one, yeah. in my opinion, like unknown. That is like also why I never want to stop talking about it and find it so yeah. interesting. Yeah, and you, you're, you know, I've never really thought about it, but you're right. Like I, I don't think I talk about it so much, but I don't think I've ever met someone who shares the exact same yeah, thought, like, like that like belief that I have of what yeah. it means. And, and sometimes I think I'm bringing it up all the time because I'm like looking for someone because <laughs> yeah. then it would be like, yeah, see, maybe we're right. Yeah, 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 but yeah, then yeah. it's like, no, like it's always a little different and you're always left a little bit like, oh, wait, that's not, you don't have the answer. Yeah. Like, damn, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, of course you don't. But DMT, that's interesting. Is that the, t- isn't that literally licking a toad? Uh, so, so uh, yes and no. <laughs> the, I think okay. the toad licking, I think, came from like, uh, like the Simpsons. Um, but it, but it, it's a, it's the right idea. So it is, it's yeah. the, it's, it's created, no, but there is DMT created by Yes, it. it's, oh. it's called the yeah. Sonora toad, uh, or, or, or it's, it's, uh, no, the, uh, the, the Bufo Alvarez toad, I think, but it's found only in the Sonora desert. Desert, um, yeah. which is like, you know, Southern United States bordering Mexico. And what they do is they, they basically, um, they basically like the, the toad has all these like nodules on its back and they sort of like pop it like a zit. It's like, 
Dr. Pimple Popper extraordinaire. And they, oh they, my God. they pop this zit on a, on a pane of glass and it shoots <laughs> under the glass and you've got this sort of like jizzy substance on this glass and you let it dry <laughs> and then you, you shave it off and you put it in a pipe and you smoke it. And so that is, that's actually, yes, it, it, what you consumed was from a toad. It wasn't necessarily like recreated. No, it was, it was from the toad. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You did toad. Yeah. That's so <laughs> wild. I did some toad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, that is like the best story ever because I, I like read so much about it and I knew that that one existed, mm-hmm. but I, I honestly just was like, well, I'm never going to do Toad. How the hell do I get your hands on Toad? <laughs> but it's like, oh, they pop the zits onto glass <laughs> yeah, and you find yeah. those people. That's it. Yeah. So, and then it all makes yeah, sense. Five MEO DMT, also known as Bufo. And uh, it's, it's, there's so many, like, have extreme. you ever done the like therapy, sorry, no, no. the therapy with like high doses of mushroom? Thing? So, no, I mean, I, no, I, I've done, uh, I have done like a, what's referred to as like a heroic dose of mushrooms. So I did uh, about seven, <laughs> seven dry grams of mushrooms. Wow. Um, but this, this, <laughs> and I don't like, I don't recommend anyone to just like go do this. No, that's a lot. Was, and like, were you just alone? Or no, no. I, I was with two of my best friends and uh, they okay. were, they were like trip sitting. They took very good care of me um oh wow and so they we were, were we were at the uh we were on the bay of fundy which is uh here in nova scotia and <gasps> it's got the oh highest tides in the world um and it was it it's was in so what's called beautiful. a geopark so it was like a really fascinating place where the earth is just like filled with with treats and and it's 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 very very fascinating to like see and look at when you're sober um but i had that experience when I was going through a bit of a rough time, like uh, sort of a mm. depressive state, and I thought, mm. you know what, I I feel comfortable enough and and you know seasoned enough with psychedelics that I feel like this will be okay, and it was it was it was totally okay, and it was yeah that's a that is a lot. I think when you do it with therapists, you don't even do that. Much. Yeah, actually, so Thomas Hartle, who is the was the first Canadian patient to be approved to do. Uh, um, psychotherapy assisted psychedelic um hmm. medicine uh he when we spoke to him it's uh it was seven seven grams uh seven grams oh so it was seven grams okay. in a pill yeah and it was and and when he told me that it was like i think maybe five months after i had my experience and, and when he was like yeah it was oh. seven grams and also thomas had never done he didn't ever smoked weed he's never done any drugs like you know he was he like wow. i like some alcohol here and there um yeah. and when he told me that i went whoa thomas I know, I know what you did, and that's really wow. intense. Um, it is very intense, but it was, uh, it was a. Did he describe it as like a good experience for him? It was the best experience for him. Yeah, he. Yeah, that, a lot of people say yeah. that, and and for him, and, and in the context that he took it, again, he was taking that in a therapist's office, where he was there the entire time, mm-hmm. and there's like an there's a deep integration process that happens afterwards yeah. and there's you know there's yeah they do like therapy after yeah. right based on the session yeah. for like, like days after that's super too. interesting yeah 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 um yeah like i that is a, like a lot of the science is based around that because obviously like in my opinion i'm like going to the bay of fundy with your friends is chef's kiss but it's like obviously with science they have to have it in these like specific parameters and that's what they do they do these like high amounts they usually blindfold the person yeah. Which I also think is kind of interesting. So, yeah, it, they blindfold and, then, and they 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 put headphones on and they yeah. like, they have a they have a they have a playlist specifically made yeah. for them to listen to, which is like, because they're trying to keep it contained. But that's so fascinating so when you cool. think about the impact of it, because so much of it is about what you're seeing and observing. So it, I guess that really forces you to like be internal. internal. And then and then the yeah. uh, the therapy after it's like that to me. I'm just like. The more we learn, the more we're like, that is good for yeah. humans. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like the history of obviously drugs and like what the history of it is also fascinating. Yes. Um, and and sad. Like, told. you know, it's it, it's a real yeah, it's a real sad. shame that um, you know, the war on drugs really kind of demo- vilified these things that that we are now starting to see very like equivocal yeah. evidence that th- there's a lot of p- potential for very good use and like healing yeah. to come from this. And like, you know, we're, I mean, we're just talking about like the use of psilocybin for, for, for treating like end of life anxiety, but, the, but we're not even, we're not even touching on, you know, the uses of like LSD or MDMA for, for treating complex PTSD or, you know, yeah. or even just depression. Like it, it really is going to be the next 20 years are going to be really fascinating to see 
what happens. Uh, uh, just a quick little like, did you know that the first province in Canada uh, that has announced that it will be the first province to um, legally uh, adopt uh, uh, allowing psilocybin to be used for therapy? Guess, do you know which province it is? It's the last province you would think. Alberta? Alberta. <laughs> No Alberta, way. Yeah, I think they've got lots of ads on the subway here in Toronto saying come to Alberta. I'm like, they should start talking about that. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> in my head, I'm like oil rig jobs. But it's like, <laughs> that's the reason yeah, that's it. you might get a new niche little West End Toronto group of that's, people. Yeah, that's over. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm I'm like very excited about the science being able to get caught up with the culture finally in that realm. The history is so sad. Like the war on drugs is really yeah. sad. A lot. It's, it's like, I encourage you to look into it because there's a lot of different opinions on it, but a lot of it is linked to like anti-capitalism and like people real, like literally people realizing doing psilocybin was giving people like more to life than like working yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. When you start to like, for me personally, when I start to learn those things. I'm like, Oh yeah. my God. Like, and, and, and <laughs> also like, Ronald Reagan was bad. Yeah. And you <laughs> yeah. know, also tied to like systemic racism. Like it's, it, it's, yeah. it's really heavy. Um, uh, yeah, but it's also nuances. There's also other people who were spearheading it, who were also like pretty problematic. That's right. Too, yeah. Like, yeah. Professors and whatever. Yeah. But, but I, 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 I'm so happy we got here in this conversation because I didn't, like I never planned to, but then I'm like, that is totally where I have found the most solace in death anxiety. Yes. And it's never been in those high amounts of psilocybin, but it's just been on my own with psilocybin, like in a park yeah. at low amounts, but it's just being like, it's okay. Like everything these, like for me, it's just been like looking at trees and being like, when I go, they're still going to be here. And that's like so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like there's something so, but I, I, you can't think like that for whatever reason, yeah. when you don't have these like fascinating drug but okay this is like a little science fact that's super interesting about mushrooms which is like more about evolution but it's like there's this really cool mushroom that can actually take over an ant's body and make it climb up a tree to the perfect height to then yeah like that super famous thing so some scientists think like that the reason these mushrooms are able to create these positive effects on us are so that we continue to grow them yeah. and like in a way right. their positive impacts on our death anxiety is a way for them to continue to proliferate as we continue to grow uh, up. And that's just an evolutionary yeah. biologist theory but i'm like whoo i love I that mean, i am i am like simultaneously like fully in love and yet also terrified by like my mycelium yeah. you know it's like the, the whole like yeah. With, yeah like you know paul stamets talks about it at length but like you know he's like well we are mushrooms like we are we uh, humans are we're, we're mushrooms like we're closer to mushrooms than we are to like any other life form and i'm like oh man like we are like we're looking for aliens Seti's out there looking for aliens we're the aliens the mushrooms yeah, are, yeah, yeah. are like are the <laughs> yeah the, they're, they're yeah, the, true. They're like, the they're indigenous the... and like we're the aliens you yeah. know they've been here and they're also such a weird organism too so weird don't do photosynthesis I know I know oh. so weird <laughs> oh my god okay so I'm like we have to end this conversation at some point um <laughs> But okay, so I guess like, yeah, like thinking about my questions, like I was going to ask, no, I don't even want to ask you. I was going to ask you about like the most interesting sort of people have come on your podcast. Is that like too hard of a question? No. Because I just think of like all the diseases and people you've talked to, like what stands out? I, I mean, I've, just, I've, yeah. I've thought about this um, and there, there's there's a number of them. Um, you know, I one of the best parts about doing this podcast is that we get to meet just an array of so f super fascinating, beautiful humans um, you know, one of the things that like I've learned from doing this podcast is that, again, we, we don't speak to celebrities or like, you know, people of note for the most part. Um, we have just, you know, your regular everyday folks that you would bump into on the street. And uh, the one thing that I've learned from doing this podcast is that like every single mm -hmm. one of us, every single human has this incredibly rich, beautiful story to share. Um, mm -hmm. It's just that we're rarely given the opportunity to investigate what that story is and to share it. And so, um, you know, we've had, we've had out of the 600 episodes, it's, it, it is hard to really like narrow it down. It's like looking at a Chinese restaurant menu where you're like, fuck, there's just so much. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what I want. Um, but the ones that stick out for me, um, are Audrey Parker, who was someone we spoke to who was, um, who was signed up for made medical assistance in dying. 
Um, and mm. it was the first conversation we had with someone who was uh, engaging in made and it was wow. so beautiful. It was, I mean, it, it, ri- it rocked me to my core, um, ripped my heart wide open. I think I like bawled my eyes out in the middle of the episode. It was a live show for Dal Med here, like at, at the med school at Dalhousie University. Wow. Oh my God. Can I say it again? Cause I feel like this is how we're going to end the podcast and it'll be literally throwing to your podcast. Sick boy. What was the name of that uh, one? Cause uh, I need to go find Audrey it. Parker. Um, I th- is that the best way to find the podcast is just to write it. Yeah. Name? Just Google. Like uh, oh, yeah. I think the episode title was Audrey Parker dies today. We actually, we actually, put the episode out the day that she went through with made. Um, wow. and, uh, it was, it was okay, amazing. That one, uh, another one is, wow. uh, is, uh, we talked to, we've done two episodes now on Phimosis. Do you know what Phimosis is? No, no. <laughs> okay. Fimo- so the first episode of Phimosis was actually with me and my friend Andrew. And we had come to realize that both of us had this condition and both of us had got this condition treated, but both in, in slightly different ways. Phimosis is where the penis uh, does not have the ability to retract the foreskin, so it's like the the it's like a it's like a, a a turtleneck sweater that's over the head, and it's way too small, and you can't pull that turtleneck down to the oh, neck. Okay, yeah, okay. So it's like when people have is it like saying that your foreskin's too tight? Way too tight, like so okay, so tight yes. that it that you need uh you need a surgery to correct it. So I was okay. Okay, I was circumcised okay. at 16 years old because I had phimosis. Okay. That's phimosis. And my friend Andrew, he had a different uh, a different um, uh, procedure. It wasn't full circumcision. It was like a couple slits. It's called a dorsal slit. So he actually still yeah. has his foreskin. And he can retract it. Um, we just sense. recently did another follow-up episode with a guy named Brent, who in his 40s, just like a couple of weeks ago, got his foreskin removed uh, with a circumcision. And, you know, he's like... The the, the 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 heaven horns are just honking and he's like oh, got a whole new relationship God, to his the dick. heaven horns um, are honking and so so um <laughs> phimosis oh was God. really really interesting but here's the cool thing about that that episode when we <laughs> published the first episode of phimosis which was within the first like few weeks of the podcast yeah because that's a great yeah we always talk super about early <laughs> um, so fascinating we've had probably about 25 people message us to tell us that they have realized that they had phimosis after listening wow. and went through with the corrective surgery to have a penis that they can actually wow. use. Yeah. Um, and then making cocks work across I, the world. Yeah. 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 Like Ch- what changing else sex can lives. you ask changing for sex in podcasts? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then another one that really stood out um, was with a guest named Sarah who had uh Parotini. I couldn't. I cannot even pronounce it. It's such a. It's such a stupid word. Yeah, disease words are. Insane. But it was a type of cancer, and she had what's called the mother, the the Moas surgery, the mother of all surgeries. Surgery. This is a legit name. It's also known as the Hypex surgery. I'm not even going to try to say what Hypex stands for. It's a type of chemotherapy. So what they do is they cut you from um, from stem to sternum. Uh, so you know, breastbone to pubic bone. They open you up fully. They remove oh all God. of your vital organs. Oh. Then after that, they pour in this chemotherapy that's heated to like 107 degrees Fahrenheit. And then, it, so they pour it into your abdomen cavity and then they shake your torso for 90 minutes, ensuring that the chemo reaches all the folds and corners of the abdomen. And <gasps> they nickname it the shake and bake. And it was actually made oh by a doctor who's still alive today God. named Dr. Sugar Baker. So it's called the Sugar Baker Technique. Oh. Um, and it is such a wild hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Conversation, such a wild episode, such a fucking wild experience that Sarah went through. Um, uh, the sugar baker technique. I think if you like look up sick boy sugar baker, you'd find it. Okay. Th- okay. <laughs> so that is the end of this podcast. Thank you so much. I am like, because of the podcast is sick boy. And I want you to just to end a say where everyone can find you and then say those three titles again because i literally even for me i'm like i'm listening right after this <laughs> so sickboypodcast.com um you can go to the website there you can find sick boy wherever you find podcasts it's a cbc podcast as well so if you're on like cbc listen you can find it there um audrey parker dies today um yeah. uh just look up sick boy famosis and there, there you'll find two different yeah, episodes those those three will come yeah. up <laughs> and then uh the uh, mother of all surgeries uh, is where we spoke to sarah awesome. and uh yeah really fascinating conversation Thank you so much. This was so interesting. I literally am like could talk to you forever, but maybe we'll have you on again because this is so freaking cool. Anytime, Thank you so much. Greg. I honestly like I'm a massive fan of you guys. Oh, and so this has been just such a treat to be able to sit down and hang out with you today. So thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Peace. Later. <laughs>